All right, Fan, join us yet again, man, special guest, BRTV. Uh, this time, it's problems with big aspirational tanks. You think that you want a big monster, uh, but you might not know what you're getting into. There is a statement here I'm gonna read that you shared with me. Uh, we do a lot of aspirational content on Title Gardens YouTube channel. It's also part of the ethos of the company and it shows in the design of our facility. Lots of decisions were made outside of what makes hardcore business sense. Uh, well, it's a lot of fun to dream big. There are issues with aspirational tanks. It's absolutely true. Uh, it's, and there's like a, a dark side of big tanks. Yeah. Sure. So we live in like an Instagram world, right? Mm -hmm. we, see, uh, we see a fantasy in front of our eyes all the time on our phones. And a lot, of, a lot of these tanks are these gigantic, gorgeous, immaculate aquariums. And by, by their very nature, they are aspirational. The whole point of that post was to be aspirational. And I totally get that, get that sentiment. Uh, but I think that it, it's kind of like van life. Like people get sold the idea, like this is this is a great lifestyle. It's like actually, it's it's it's, it's kind of like a weird, tough homelessness in a way, right? <laughs> and a giant tank, it's that's a lot. I mean, people, yeah, it's wonderful to to, to have something like that, but to to fully grasp like the amount of maintenance that that goes into something like that, the the amount of problem solving that that's going to be necessary in, in that electricity structural design of your house like these things can weigh 5000 pounds your house mm -hmm. was not made for that you know? and and also it's just the um, well the, the the cost of it could spiral way out of control ongoing costs not just the cost to do you might have signed up for a big check to do it but then like uh, afterward like oh my you mm -hmm. know? yeah and uh, the just, just the tremendous risk of it all. Like, it's it's a gigantic glass box, probably glass. Uh, things could go wrong. There's 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 a number of issues when it, when you start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So we have the same thing here at Beerus TV, and it's not always bigger, but sometimes it's like you know the style of the tank is aspirational too. Like, I mean, you know, we're creating you know video content. We want it to be cool. We want it to be big. You know. But like, and that's sometimes what people want to watch, you know, like, so the BRS-160 wasn't a, a, you know, giant, but man, it had every piece of gear known to man. And it was like built in an in-wall and stuff. And I wavered on it because like, it was cool to watch, right? But totally out of reach for 95% of the people watching. Mm -hmm. right? And so like, we're going to do this new series, the, you know, second edition of that. And none of the tanks are going to be in-wall and all of them will be within reach, you know? I mean, some of them will be more expensive than others, but like they won't be pimp my tank kind of thing, you know? So I'm dying to know what people will respond. Like, does it have to be this super mega thing on YouTube to be interesting, or can it be stuff that I could actually do that excites my soul? Yeah, because there, there is a, a thing about whether it is going to be the spectacle that wins out or is it going to be something that's more down to earth and relatable? Because when when you're talking about spectacle, if, if if spectacle is really the thing that wins out, I mean that's an arms race that I don't think that anybody really wants to delve into. Because mm. 
sky's the limit there, like truly. Dude, it really, really is. I mean, I've seen some people in our in our industry spend close to a quarter million dollars setting up really elaborate tank. Mm-hmm. That they never even filled, man. Like, or maybe even recently filled, you know, but like, I haven't seen the tank. Like, I, then you, when the part of the things you don't think about too, is how much is it gonna cost to fill with coral? Yeah. Yeah. Coral's not that, that cheap. Dude, but like, if you're gonna fill a 500 gallon tank up with coral and have it look full, how many SPS frags would that take? Hundreds. Yeah, I mean, hundreds times a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, yeah, like. And, and fish are expensive. Like. Everything. Man. Everything's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to, to put into something like that. It, it get rapidly really expensive. Okay, so I'm like, I don't want to diss any aspirational tanks, but I also want like people to know what they're getting into. You know, so for me, uh, I ran into this, and this is probably a well-publicized story now, but like, I decided to do this 360 in my house, which for me was an aspirational tank. It was a big tank, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I just like didn't do the math on a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a pregnant wife. Right, like I'm gonna have you know like three kids under five. This was not the right time for an aspirational tank, and to try to make it survive, you know, and do what it needs to do. I was waking up at like 5 a.m. on the weekends, you know, and trying to put three hours of work in before every wake wakes up. This was not fun, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it's, and it's supposed to be fun. It's a hobby. It's something I enjoy, man. But I was trying to like cram it into this life that didn't support this. And what I didn't know is like, I felt like, oh my God, I mean, their kids are gonna have to graduate for high school before I can do this again. And now, you know, I have even just a subtle change of almost six, five, and like three. And I'm feeling like actually now there's space in here. You can breathe again. Yeah, yeah I could actually maybe do this now. But that was a wrong moment in time. You add in COVID and all the other crap that was happening at the time. You know, mm-hmm. like it was, ugh. Yeah, but yeah, you think about how big. One of the things that came across for me was the size I would never pick, or when I'm thinking about the tank, I'm gonna think about the size of the water change. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many vats of water do I want and how, how many are gonna be in this household? Yeah, like, because um, in an emergency, you want to be able to do a big, like impactful water change to, to really dilute whatever the issue was. And not everybody can get a 500 gallon tub into their house like not not even just finding space for it physically getting a 500 gallon tub through your doors could be an issue the biggest i could find that hits fits through a standard door i think is i can't remember if it's 160 or 200 gallons and you still have to take the door off the hinge to do it yeah right uh and so like i want to say it's 160 gallons but anyway, it's right in that pocket that you can fit through like one of those, you know, white cylindrical things. Mm-hmm. Okay, and one of the things that came to mind was the beast. You know, I, I tracked uh, Rico's tank for a while, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he ran into an issue where he think that there was toxins in the water. And it just like went off like, oh my gosh, man, like I could do a hundred gallon water change, dude. And it's still only 20%, 80% of the toxins in there. Mm-hmm. And this is a household environment. Having a hundred gallons is a legitimate amount of water, but it's mm-hmm. ineffective here. Right, and and just think about like just the storage of the amount of salt, and to to do the next water change, you have to wait till because most people don't have like a commercial water, like a commercial RO system that's gonna like fill that thing up in like four hours or anything. It's gonna no, it's gonna take like three days for like 
a traditional sized um, RODI to even make that water. You know what comes to mind here is like we should retitle this video called Destroying the Dream. <laughs> yeah, like it sounds like what we're doing, but, but I think it's really important to think about the reality because if I could do this again, now I actually really like the shape of the 360 now and like mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I could get something like this into my house. Like it might have to be a look through instead, like a traditional rectangle look through, but like I really just like being able to see the down the one end. You know, mm -hmm. it's just something that I really enjoy to see that depth. But like, I know what I'm getting into now and I know what that size water, and, and the reality is, is like, I'm, I've been toying with an idea of, you know, the space I have is like eight feet wide uh, and then about 30-ish inches, like 32 or some inches deep. And then I was toying with the idea of doing like a fish only tank in there mm -hmm. that is three or four feet tall. I'm, I'm glad right? you brought up like the depth <laughs> of the water. Because um, when, when you start to get into, into bigger tanks, um, to make them look good, like proportional, uh, you kind of do have to make them deeper. Otherwise, like, like for example, we have like these 600 gallon tanks. In theory, they should look big, but they don't because they're 24 inches, by the way, 24 inches is plenty deep. If you ever wanna to try to do maintenance on anything deeper than that, it's not that fun. So 24 inches is kind of like my, my max that I feel comfortable even working on. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. Uh, but it looks like a frag tank. It just a, looks like this thin strip. Yeah, it's a 10-foot long frag tank. Mm -hmm. and uh, But it is legitimately deep. So in order for it to aesthetically look better, you have to start talking about three, four feet deep. Four feet deep, you're getting into the tank. Yeah. Well, so the reason I was thinking about it three or four feet deep in a, you know, fish only tank, you like a predator tank or something like it doesn't have as much light in there and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. So like, you know, I don't have to clean it to the same degree and I can probably use tool and I'm not, you know, gluing frags to the bottom or taking things off. Right, know? right. It's not the same depth, but like for a, fra for a, a coral tank, I'm with you. I would love it to be three feet deep, but no way. You know, it's a it's so difficult. OK, in fact, in the 360, which is like, I think, 26 and a half, I decided to push it just a little bit farther. And I'm happy because it does actually get the dimension out just a little bit instead of making it look like a strip, mm -hmm. especially if you're covering up the top and the bottom and the trim. But I can't reach the bottom. It's literally two inches away. Uh, it, that two inches mattered. Yes. You know, uh, every inch after 24 is going to be a different headache. Yeah. Every single inch matters after 24. I'm using tools and stuff now to grab stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, then, and then, then think of like problem solving. Let's say that you have to catch a, like an overly hostile powder blue tang, just mm -hmm. saying. Uh, and now like the, this powder blue tang is assassinating all your other tangs. He has to come out. Trying to catch that thing in a, three foot deep tank that's big you're fishing uh you put some bait on the hook man i don't know good uh, luck yeah uh, how do you do it good luck you know what we've done it before wasn't easy we got lucky maybe i don't have the patience for it other people here can do it i don't have the patience to attempt the amount of attempts and time it takes to catch that fish yeah you know? uh but you're right and a big giant tank super hard yeah, and because I, I, 
a, a lot of what we're saying is for folks that, that, are, that, that dream big to something that's, let's say, is 500 gallons. But until you've actually had to work on 500 gallons, they, you just don't know. It's, it's, a, it's like, a, it's like owning a Ferrari or something. Like, I didn't realize that these things are always broken down. Like that sort of thing. It's like, oh, they kind of have to be rebuilt all the time, that sort of thing. It's like, it seemed like a great idea on Instagram, but in, in practice, it's like. So yeah. uh, reading between the lines here, I still haven't decided what to put in this house yet. Uh -huh. But like, uh, if it is a reef tank, 100% it will be uh, 24 inches tall. It will fill the like eight foot gap and it will be 33 inches. But like if it's a fish only tank, I may decide to venture, but also it's less dependent on water changes and stuff in this case. You know, like, like water quality is not as paramount. You know, I still want to maintain healthy quality water. But a nitrate of 60 isn't going to like make yeah. anybody blink. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to get that stuff out too, you mm -hmm. know. And so uh, it is a, a different environment. Like, but I'm now willing to, like the chances that a toxin goes in, like this is a better way to put it. The chances that a toxin gets in that tank in way I need to do massive water changes that turns over the entire tank with a fish only tank are really low. The chances that I would want to do that at some point in time with a reef tank are a hundred percent. At some point yeah. I will want to do that. And I don't have the ability to do that. And like, I don't know the exact math on it, but I'm pretty certain that the dimensions of the reef tank I just said is somewhere over 300 gallons. Whereas the uh, fish only one will be over 500 gallons. Mm -hmm. And I actually had him put in, you know, like extra cement as a footing to be able to give me that option in the future. Yeah. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. And, and you know, that, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up is that you do have to make these like legitimate engineering decisions on your house to support all this. There was a guy that lived in Minneapolis here named Energy. I think his real name was Stan, but on the forums he was Energy. And I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm pretty certain it was 15 feet long, six feet tall, and like three or four feet deep, right? Okay. It had, the house had to, it had to go first, and then the house had to be built around it. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember for just from the old days, like there was a guy named Mr. 4000 on like the old reefs. Was it Aqualink or was it Reef Central? It was like the early days okay. of online forums, okay? So this guy in Michigan and randomly, it's like, I have a friend in Michigan. It's like fairly close to this guy. We'll just, we'll just ask him randomly if we can come over and see his tank, that sort of thing Hilarious. back in the day, right? And so this guy had built from concrete and one acrylic panel, a 4,000 gallon aquarium in his basement. Okay, and he's Mr. 4,000 on the, on, the, mm -hmm. on the forums. And there's no, there's no plans to do anything like this. There's no, there's no guidebook that says anything mm -hmm. about this is a good idea. But yeah, he, he built this entire thing and he eventually had to tear it all out because the amount of humidity that, that 4,000 gallon reef tanks generate, like his windows, like in his downstairs were like rivers mm. and all of that was just going to go straight into his into his wood framing so i toured uh sean's tank uh up, he lives up in mankato here and he has a 2000 gallon tank and it's like all sps beautiful tank right mm -hmm. you know what's funny is i didn't see humidity problems in there but you're right like a 120 can you know 
you know, evaporate one to two gallons in a day, you know, depending on how much surface tension you have and the you know, environment that it's in. But like that much water, dude. I mean, you could be evaporating 20, 30 gallons of water in your house like a rainforest. Mm -hmm. In fact, I did that. I forgot, man. In my old basement, man, I had two four by eight foot tanks and I had a relative humidity of like 80% down there, man. It was a rainforest and I was going to destroy the house. Growing all kinds of the black mold. Okay, and then here's the problems that come up. You know, this is a good example. It's because I decided then to have these two four by foot eight. These are monster tanks of their own. You know, they're yeah. frag systems, but you know, and they're only like, you know, eight inches tall or something, but there's still a lot of water in these things. Okay, so I had this humidity problem. I knew it was going to destroy the house, right? So I put a bathroom fan, you know, mm -hmm. uh, into the wall to vent it out. Okay, and it worked. Except, like, I didn't know this. I didn't connect these things two uh, together. But, man, in the summer it came around, I could not keep the house cool, right? Mm -hmm. It was just hot. And no matter how much the air conditioner worked, it just never worked. Turned out one day, I opened up the coat closet, which I would never open up in the summer, you know, because it's coats, you know, like winter uh -huh. coats. There were cracks in the top of the uh, uh, ceiling in there that were sucking the superheated air out of the attic. And right? pulling it all the way down. Pulling it through the house. So oh everything gosh. I blew out has to come back in from somewhere. And the easiest path for it ended up being through these cracks in this closet from the superheated attic. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I didn't think about this. Right. You know, I, like, it wasn't on my mind when I decided to put these giant tanks in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and in, in our facility, like uh, humidity is a very big concern because uh, I don't want to like grow black mold and shut my entire operation down, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we try, we try to keep our relative humidity like 50 or below. And that took some effort because we tried a bunch of different things that didn't work. We tried air exchangers. We have four commercial air exchangers. There are six exhaust fans. None of that actually worked. We ran, ran air conditioners, but air conditioners can't be run in the winter very effectively. Mm -hmm. And then so then we went with like multiple commercial dehumidifiers. So all of these technologies together eventually brought our relative humidity down to something controllable. But that's a major HVAC project and, and engineering concern. So the one of the things I'd suggest to take away about this is if your heart's in this, like my heart's in it now, like I, I think I'm probably in this 300 gallon range is about the sweet spot for me, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a manageable water change to me. Uh, but I gotta account for this stuff. You know, you gotta like think about it now. And so if you're watching this and like it makes it sound like we're talking out of doing this, these are things like you should just be thinking about. Like I want this bad enough to overcome these situations. And when you do kind of consider that these obstacles, it'll make your ongoing life with that tank a lot, a lot better. Because you planned for them. Exactly. It, like the world, uh, you happen to the world uh, rather than the world happening to you. Right. Or you Be happen, proactive about this. Learn from, for, learn, learn from my mistakes. You happen to your <laughs> reef tank. Your reef tank didn't happen to you. It's yeah. probably the best way to say it. Very nice. Uh, so like I just got a couple, you had a couple of things here, man. The big tanks are deep. They're a hard time. Mm -hmm. uh, they're often hard front to back. Oh, that was a good one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so in this pursuit for extra volume, there's always been this, um, this thing discussed where like you want a very wide aquarium because this 
increases gas exchange. It gives you a lot more um, uh, possibilities for aquascape. Aquascape is way cooler when the tank is deeper than it exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. The problem is, um, obviously doing maintenance on something like further diagonal into the tank, it can be challenging. But uh, there's an aesthetic price that you pay for a deep tank. Like it doesn't, uh, it, it does look cooler, but it's not as cool as you might think because of how physics and optics work with water. It compresses. Mm -hmm. So something that is far away looks like it's two inches away. So for, for instance, like, uh, like the last big tank I, I saw was Andrew Sandler's tank in New York. And his tank front to back is like 16 feet. And you don't really get a gauge of how far away those things are unless you see it from the side. Sometimes if you really tracked with a fish and watched it swim all the way to the back, you mm -hmm. would capture it like because it's getting smaller, essentially. You know? Yeah, but there is, there is like this flattening. And, and on top of that, like water is always not super clear, right? There's like oh, some turbidity. The smallest amount of yellow pigment now, just mm -hmm. like every inch, you know, yeah, magnifies. For, for, for feet in some yeah. cases, like so a lot of tanks are now four feet, uh, four, four feet front to back. And that absolutely like messes up the aesthetic. And at the very, very back, it's downright hazy. So Elliot, uh, again, a marine collector, he's got the mm -hmm. nine feet, foot deep tank. I'm, I'm making this number up now, but I think it's that, that deep. It's like long. nine, 10, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, dude, the, one of the reasons he tried ozone is because he just got tired of using so much damn carbon because what, you know, be yellow to you at two feet is five times that, you know, at 10 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just looks like garbage. By the time that you're viewing it, it's cloudy and a mess. Then you use the ozone. It's just like, wow, you're looking into this, like, you know, glass box. This, like, it's just like so crystal clear all the way to the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but those are problems you need Again, to know and solve. Plan in advance because these things are coming. That's just, it's just physics. Okay. And then you plan and you screw up because I plan for this, right? Okay. So I was thinking that, you know, my 360 was essentially like, you know, it's four feet wide and almost six feet. Uh, so it's almost like two 180s back to back, right? Sure. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, I can clean the inside of a 180 from one side of this. And so I got chairs on both sides or stairs, you know, built this thing, I'll be fine, right? What I didn't really think about is I next to never in a 180 actually need to clean all the way to the to back the other corner. side, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not even close, in fact, right? Because it's usually the front end of your aquascape, and mm -hmm. I cannot reach anything. It's tools, yeah, you know, or like crawling up in there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, like best laid plans, right? So, if I could do it again in this case, like from a uh, just a maintenance, pure maintenance perspective, thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah, you and know? you're a tall guy, long enough arms, but you know, it's. Yeah. I it, thought I was like kind of like gangly. You know, yeah. I thought like, oh, I got long arms, but like average person, man, they're screwed. Like, <laughs> yeah, so you, you, you just, just that, that, that frag fell back in the middle of an aquascape in a four foot wide tank. And yeah. you just can't have it, you just can't have it back. Aquatongs and like even yeah. gluing them in now, aquatongs mm -hmm. is not the same thing, you know? And then the really big tanks, you, you have to, you actually have to get a, a, a suit and get in there. Okay, so that's what Stan and Energy would do, you know? It was cool because it, you know, he had like, 
like stingrays and stuff in there, like every coral known to man. And you like owned that there was going to be pests in there and they're just going to eat them. And they had all these unreef safe fish that ate the coral, but the coral grew faster than the uh, non-reef safe could eat them, you know, mm -hmm. so super cool. I think the guy ended up getting a job in Costa Rica uh, and then had, like this house stayed here, but it turned into a terrarium. So it's there like 15 feet of frogs now. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. All right. Uh, okay. Catching a fish is a hassle. Water flow, always a logistical challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Water flow. So I think that sometimes when people think of water flow, they think of it like day one. Mm -hmm. and, and designing water flow for, um, for a growing reef aquarium is a constant and dynamic process. Mm -hmm. uh, I always I love this saying. But today's success is tomorrow's failure when it comes to flow. Oh, 100%. And so you always have to be able to like audit your tank's flow and, and just know that you'll probably have to add more pumps, more powerful pumps, and relocate and re-aquascape like constantly. And that is super challenging on these big aquariums because there's sometimes, for the really big ones, there's only really one answer. You're not going to like it it's going to be like abyss. Like it's going to be some giant commercial flow cannon type thing. And you're going to need several of them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a gross process to like do all this. And some of them are kind of ugly too, man. Uh, or you have 8 million cords, 8 million things to clean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and once you get into bigger pumps, yeah, they're, they can be uh, like very unsightly. I, um, but then in, in, in a big tank, maybe they, you know, they don't look that big, but... Like I think of those panther rays, you know, they work really good, but they're like this long, you mm -hmm. know, they're huge. So, I mean, one of the things that I, I've really explored in the last year is basically flow is the driver of almost all biology in the animals, mm -hmm. all the gas exchange, all of the element and nutrient delivery, and then all of the getting rid of all the excess oxidants and waste and everything. And so if you look at a lot of corals now, you could just pound it too hard, in which case the coral will die or grow away from the flow. But if you really pay attention, in many cases, the coral will grow towards the flow. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's where the best biology is happening. It's getting the most nutrients, the best gas exchange, the best waste removal, and it grows towards the flow. And then the side that isn't getting the best flow doesn't grow. And then you get this weird shaped coral. And then of course the stuff that's getting almost no flow, which is the back end of it inside or bottom is just dead, mm -hmm. you know? And, but I think that's like a natural part of like a growing coral reef. It's like the live stuff grows on the dead stuff. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it does. It's what it's supposed to do. But it, it's, it's hard to like reconcile that with, well, well I want everything to live though. So if you want that, you have to get really creative with stuff like the flow, the lighting and everything. What I want is I want the coral to grow in kind of a natural shape mm -hmm. and not have everything kind of grow one direction towards the flow. So I've got to solve the fact that today, man, I, for perfect flow. Tomorrow, the corals are now eight inches and they're blocking each other. And I now need to spot and then solve the dead spot or it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. right? And then one of the things we were talking about is some of the coral farmers, specifically the SPS farmers, are more successful than others, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that popped to mind is I've seen some of the people that I think have grown this stuff the fastest and the best. They don't plug this stuff on a frag rack. They don't plug it onto actual rock. 
it's these weird kind of networks of little arms and then there's bigger than my hand here and then they put the coral on the end of it mm -hmm. because water is surrounding this thing uniformly now right mm -hmm. and every available bit of the tissue is exposed to you know the nutrient delivery and the gas exchange promoting healthy biology throughout the whole thing and that's why probably they're so effective at this in ways that if you just glue it to a rock you're going to run into the same challenges an aquarist does mm -hmm. you know Interesting. Uh, you know and so like there's no question that you've seen and you might even know who i'm talking about mm -hmm. here uh and are they the best you know like they might be yeah, yeah, like it might be. a specific it's really, thing. Yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah, and so, like, I, and this is, comes from someone who farms coral for a living. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay at what I do, but no, that what they do is ridiculously impressive. Yeah, but it looks that way, and like, it's abnormal. When you see it, you're like, this is what a reef tank looks like, but this is maybe what ideal biology looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, but in any case, add and flow going all over the place, man. Uh, okay. And this is the last statement you had in here, which is you're steering. Okay. Problems are harder to solve than large aquariums. You're steering the Titanic away from the iceberg. This boat does not stop. Yeah. So there's like, there's like this biological momentum that happens in big tanks. And if you are, even when you see the problem coming up ahead, you see the iceberg, it's like, you just might not have a lot of tools at your disposal to like fix big problems. You have to know too, know, uh, know what to do yeah. and then have the willingness. Right, and, and, I, and I actually like the, 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 the seeing the problem coming up is not necessarily a given because like the, the, um, the capacity of your tank to like soak up problem and not really express it until you reach like some critical oh. point. Dude, the, the, in this case, in a giant tank like that, the cause of your problem is something you started doing two years ago. Right. You'd never ever think that it would be this Right, thing. yeah, it, 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 it's a months ago issue that is actually solved now, but like the momentum of that is still gonna put you into like some, some troubled areas, yeah. And there's just so much water in there, everything happens like, so slow it's really you you have to know what it is know how to treat it and have the willingness to do it and and again it's like that that buffering capacity it could be so you you and i are both like cat guys right we like we like cats mm -hmm. like cats aren't like dogs where they announce every issue that they have mm -hmm. they're just really stoic and so they they will they will just like grit their teeth and look like normal cats when they're like they're in, they're in pain or something and like and so the analogy to a big tank is like a lot of the stuff doesn't always manifest in something. Again, you could be having this ongoing problem for months and it's only until like this, this final last triggering breaking point where all of that comes crashing in. And, and in order for you to have fixed that, you need to have another like, runway of another four months to fix something like that. Because you just can't fix that overnight. You know what's funny here is I feel like, again, like we're just talking to people out of big tanks, but that's not our hobby. Our hobby, man, so many people are in this because it's hard. Like you see all these videos that like people are, is it hard and whatever, you can debate one way or another, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but like the reason that somebody is taking these animals, you know, and caring for them and creating an artificial environment in Minnesota that like mimics the ocean, and I'm gonna do it long-term, part of it is because I like the challenge. 
much, mm-hmm. right? And so I bet you there's anybody that's made it to this point in this video right now is like challenge accepted. And, uh, and that's fantastic because it also, like we also want to reinforce that this isn't um, aspiration just for the sake of like glamor and aspiration. It's that it is actually special when it succeeds. Yes. It's, it is, it is so challenging that when it does work out, congratulations, you are reefing God 101, like go for it. You are a- Hit up Instagram, you deserve it. (laughs) Really, Instagram, Instagram worthy. You are a rare, unique butterfly. Yeah, you're you're, you're really good at what you do if if, if it works out. Yes. All right, so uh, guess what? Fan will be back for more. So playlist here for all the special guests on BRS TV. Join us and we'll see you in the next one.